PT Pro Talk Podcast, the fastest way to increase your knowledge with the brightest minds of physical therapy in your pocket. Welcome to PT Pro Talk Podcast. I am Ariana Tondo, your host for today. In this episode, Santiago Arguejo will talk about the use of the McKenzie method to treat and assess musculoskeletal disorders in the neuro population. Santiago has a neuro background with over 20 years of experience as well as Mulligan and McKenzie certifications. I hope you enjoyed the show. Hi Santiago, welcome to PT Pro Talk. How are you today? Fine, fine, Mariana. Nice to meet you. Uh, thank you for inviting me to your podcast channel. It's a pleasure for me that we can talk a few things today. Uh, I think this space is important as, as a break time to, to discuss my share ideas, even in the pandemic time. You know, congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you taking the time today. So let's jump right in. So could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your career, and how did you get to where you are right now? Okay, uh, what about for me? <laughs> I was born in Argentina and, and raised in Buenos Aires. Uh, later on, I joined at National University of Buenos Aires to start a bachelor in physical therapy. Um, until the present day, I have been training and delivering classes in two universities, uh, a state one, La Matanza University, and a private one, uh, Maimonides University. And in, 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 in other hand, I am actively involved with the Argentinian Physical Therapy Association as a member of the board, you know? But as I look back on the past, uh, 20 years ago, uh, I started my professional practice in neurological disorders in Flenny. Flenny is one of the most important neuro rehab centers in Latin America. There I developed the upper limb rehab area. And then I started to work early with the Dr. Friedman uh, research group a wonderful multidisciplinary group, you know, neurologists, uh, PTs, OTs, bioengineerists. Um, there, I took my first steps as a fellow uh, of NIH grant. Yeah, a fellow there. I, I remember that it was a very complex protocol about neuroplasticity and learning with uh, TMS, uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation. Um, which is different and necessary conversation for another time. But the, the key research topics were neuroplasticity, learning, and spasticity. I was a very young PT, a very young PT, and I took my I took a few courses in PNF, Bobat approach, neuromobilizations, among others. But I remember a special day. A very, very, very special day uh, when a PNF instructor uh, told me, "If you want to be a good neuro PT, you must be a good muscle skeletal PT because the neurological patients are riddled with muscle skeletal disorders." And I asked her, 
what was the best approach to treat these patients? And, and, and she told me, you know, Santiago, mm, I like celiacs, but I think my cancer is the future. Okay. <laughs> and I embraced these words strongly. Um, and that time, Ezequiel Hercovici was bringing MDT courses uh, to Argentina. Therefore, I started my MDT training in 2003, and my brain definitely changed forever because I never back assess my patients in the same way, both orthopedics and neuro patients. Since that day, I have been working in the link search between neuro and musculoskeletal disorders, maybe more uh, focused in a stroke and Parkinson patients, but in multiple sclerosis or spinal cord injury too. I discussed it and debated a great length with my neuropathy group about this, because we were astonished with the patient's changes. And uh, I remember I, I remember me saying, it's a pretty crazy. Holy Mackenzie, you know? <laughs> but, but, but I didn't discuss it, but, but I didn't discuss this with the MDT community at that time. And I thought, uh, unless one knew exactly what was happening with those patients, I shouldn't talk about this with the McKenzie group. Um, today, I, I think it was a big error for several years, you know? <laughs> yeah, you are experiencing McKenzie for almost 20 years now. So I'm, I'm curious yeah. to learn more. So how did you combine? Because that's not something that we talked a lot about like we don't talk about like McKenzie courses in general so I'm just curious so you consider your area of expertise neuro and musculoskeletal so that that's my next question and and why do you think it's relevant to assess musculoskeletal disorders in the neurological population yes I, I think I write in the middle <laughs> you know <laughs> my expertise is uh the clinical assessment. I remember uh, another special day in my life. Uh, I was helping with the MDT courses organization in Argentina. Colin Davis stopped the course and said, okay, please listen carefully to Santiago and what he has to say to you about the MDT and neurological patients. Oh, wow. And I said, what a <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I took a, a big breath and I shut, started to speak. <laughs> okay, uh, and Colin ended his, uh, ended his speech with a phrase, we want more PTs of Santiago. All of you should try to explore MDT approach in different clinical condition, follow the system, trust in this approach, you know? And I say, wow. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. And, and it, it was inspiring for all PTs in, in that course because, you know, today in Argentina, we have, uh, we have about 18 certified MDT practitioners. Uh, and about half of these are neuro PTs. Oh, wow. So this, it's this not, is not common. Yeah, it's not yeah. a lot of PTs and half of them are in neuro. Yeah. That's that's not, yeah, that's not normal. I'm sure you yeah. 
were the the, yeah. the model for them? Yeah, you know, uh, when I say right in the middle, for example, I was summoned for Argentina University Sport Federation, and I have involved in two university games in Taipei and Naples in 2019 uh, to work as a PT with football and basketball teams. But at the same time, I had delivered lectures and course about, about Parkinson stroke and motor control too. Your second question, why is relevant? If you pay attention to, to the last 15 years, the physical therapy evidence grew a lot. Many PTs in muscle skeletal area, they have, they have been talking about the significant motor control in the patient with neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain. However, the, the, the majority of these researches don't show you how to rule it out a specific source of pain or how to subclassify patients in a reliable way, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me give you an example. All the PTs know that spasticity is an upper motor neural syndrome, velocity dependent. But these pictures, only fits perfectly in the spinal cord injury patients. But in stroke patients, spasticity is an upper motor neuron syndrome too, but not necessarily velocity dependent. It can be triggered for different causes and different situations. For example, a stroke patient with a, a score two in, in Ashworth scale for elbow flexors, Spasticity could increase due to a poor sensory integration or an insufficient strength in trunk muscles or skin injuries or due to a muscle skeletal disorder. This can be one or all together, you know? And NeuroPT have tools to assess and classify sensory integration issues or vestibular causes or monitor trunk strength in stroke patients. The majority of them are keen in detecting skin lesions too. Why does, it, why, why does this happen? Why? Because evidence give us clear directives on how to do it. However, when you analyze the research and clinical guidelines, they don't give us a straightforward directions on how to detect or rule out the influence of muscle skeletal disorders in, for example, spasticity, you know? And this is what I saw, this lack of gold standard to assess the influence of muscle skeletal disorders in, for example, stroke patients. And this happened with, this, with the majority of the patients with neurological disorders. Maybe have been involved in these two areas, neural and orthopedics, gave me the opportunity to spot this, you know? So you saw there was something lacking and because you had the knowledge in two different areas and then you saw yeah. that something was missing in the neuro that you had on the musculoskeletal area. So how, how do you fill that void? So how do you use your musculoskeletal abilities in the narrow 
and how does it work? The clinical classification system used in MDT may be utilized on neurological patients who experience pain or present other symptoms triggered by these mechanical problems. Uh, let's describe a picture of neurological patient, for example, a stroke patient, okay? When we analyze stroke patient, generally they present great functional disabilities. They have gait problems, um, upper limb impairment, uh, sensory impairments. So uh, the majority of the activities of their daily living suffer great impact. When I present to you this picture of the neurological patient, pain seems to be left in the background. <laughs> but why? Well, because the therapies are focused uh, on improving this condition that are devastating for the patient, not being able to walk, not being uh, independent to move the arm. Now, um, pain can be a problem affecting this situation, but there are other symptoms not necessarily present as pain, but they are set off my muscle skeletal problem. For example, spasticity as where we are talking before. So, Expect when we're talking uh, about hemiplegic shoulder pain, where pain is at the center of this scene, when a neuro patient presents low back pain, neck, knee, or ankle pain, this problem seems to be sub-reported in the research later term. Let's move the neurological condition <laughs> of the patient from this scenario we are describing. For many, many years, a great number of muscle skeletal conditions which generate pain have been treated without a suitable classification. This shows us the first problem. Now, what's the second problem that the muscle skeletal area faced nowadays? That there are still a lot of investigations being produced that don't take into account the problem I just described to you. So we have two big problems. Stick with the neurological condition out of this scenario. <laughs> just presenting one condition, the muscle skeletal condition. We see how this there is in a major problem for muscle skeletal population. For example, first, increased use of medication. Uh, patients seeking and adopting alternative therapies, uh, which are not evidence-based. Increased negative beliefs and more individuals presenting chronic pain. Now, Let's bring to this problematic scenario all the conditions we mentioned on the neuropatients. When the pain is subreported or specific neurological symptoms are being misinterpreted. I know this doesn't sound very encouraging, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it, it sounds like we are trying to separate conditions and classifications, so it's hard to combine them. I think we are trained very specifically to neurologically yeah. that musculoskeletal is something completely different. So I think our minds are trained just in one thing and we cannot see the whole picture. So yeah, 
for, for this reason, we, we need to use a system that has an order, okay, that allow us to line up the pieces in the chessboard, you know, <laughs> where the clinical presentation of the patient is the play. So um, we need to know which pieces to move to get the place we want. This is why MDT, I think, fit, fits perfectly as a diagnostic system. MDT fits perfectly as a sanitary, a sanitary technology because it follows a procedure, it's a standardized, it's evidence-based, it's low cost because you only need an MDT trained professional. And it's a tool that can be applied to different populations. Uh, yeah. Other sanitary technologies are very expensive and seem yeah. to be innovative as they have lights and make sounds or generate reports in real time, you know? Technology. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, the fact is that, that these technologies do not necessarily have the support of the scientific evidence to be used. These technologies don't educate our patients. Can you yeah. see where I might go in? Yes, yes, I can. I'm yeah. liking, keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other fields in physical therapy have very good supraxification systems. We can yeah. see this in the respiratory physical therapy or vestibular rehabilitation in which peripheral and central problems are well identified. This led to the use of very precise treatment strategies adjustable to each patient. When we have this, patient prognosis become clear. You know, prognosis is getting better in the muscle skeletal field, but for neurological patients, that's very difficult. You know, okay, it's, except in a spinal cord injury because the neuropt have the AC scale. In, in the another uh, neurological conditions, it's it's very hard. My focus, my focus all this time, has been to use Mackenzie method to get a better understanding and try to subclassify uh, the symptoms of the neurological patient. This I believe might help us have a better understanding of this amazing chess game, you know? It might seem simple to apply MDT in a neurological patient. One may think it's only a matter of grabbing an assessment for and assessing a stroke patient to see if there is any mechanical problem. But however, for, from my point of view, it's not that simple because it's not matter to replacing words in a book, okay? When, when say uh, spasticity, when say pain put spasticity or sensory alterations, okay? McKinsey uh, broke a new, a new way of clinical reasons. With the neurological patient, we must consider all the confusing variables that may have an impact on the outcome of my assessment. For example, a patient presenting spasticity in elbow flexors may have an elbow derangement, increasing this spasticity, or it can be because of a cervical derangement, or the patient may present an ankle derangement. Uh, 
And when the individuals stand up, they will flex or tone spike up, you know? But, yeah. but if we don't consider every aspect surrounding spasticity, the patient can get better the day of the treatment, but during the week, get worse or not better. So we need to take into account every component that has an impact on spasticity. Not necessarily we need to assess where the spasticity is shown, but we need to assess pain shown of that place, you know? <laughs> Make sure you're not missing anything because it could be something more simple, like a derangement, because the population can still have all of these syndromes that we see in Mackenzie, I assume. So yeah. you, you just have to make sure you're not missing a derangement that could really improve the patient's condition, right? So like, do yeah. you have like a, a structure that you organize on your like assessment do you create like a step-by-step -step that you use using the MGT assessments? So how, how do you go about that? Yeah, the, the MGT form, it's a very good. Maybe need a, a little change. Let me give you an example. For example, for, for a patient with Parkinson uh, who's experiencing cramps in the lower limbs, okay? We can ask, when do you have them? Morning? during the day or at night, okay? It's, it's a very common question in, in the assessment form. <laughs> uh, when are they get worse? Uh, to make a slight but a key difference, the correct uh, follow-up questions will be, for example, if they get worse in the mornings, at what time do you have your medication? Because we need to know if those cramps are related with the medications beside the mechanical problem. Because they can have endoptosis dystonia or big dose dystonia and have cramps and also pain. You know, we cannot ignore this detail. As you, as, as you can see, this is easy to spot during the story taking. Yeah. 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 A little change. I, I think that the uh, McKinsey assessment form uh, it, it's wonderful, but I need a, a little change. Is it like a, a little adaptations to the neuro population to uh, identify these small questions that are relevant to that population? Because you yeah. have the knowledge on the neuro, so you know what kind of questions are important and trying to kind of combine them on the assessment yeah. and then the re-evaluation and, and all of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe MDT should apply some change to the system for it to become more suitable for a neuro patients, you know. Uh, but, but I think fits perfectly, you know? Do you think they're gonna develop any specific form for that at some point? <laughs> uh, no, I, I changed, I use the regular form, but I changed the questions <laughs> when, yeah. when, I, when I took the, the, the story taking, you know? So you did it yourself, but it could yeah. be something official. They could be having PTs like you <laughs> and others that use Nero, you know, and maybe adapt. That would help a lot of PTs. 
right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's very interesting to apply these concepts to the neuro population. Um, yeah. So let's transition to the final questions. Um, okay. What is your favorite resource of information? Do you have anything in particular that you like? Um, okay. You know, I, I use uh, PubMed. It's very common. Uh, but it's not enough to read a paper. We need to discuss the papers, you know? Uh, and this is not easy. We need a group, a PT group or physician or, multi, or a multiple uh, disciplinary group because it's not easy to read the evidence. You know, the, the evidence grew a lot every time, every day. And, and I think read and discuss are the key points <laughs> uh, with the the, the results information, but I think the approach of Audrey Long applying her investigation is the approach we must follow for every population, you know? In the neuro world, um, I can mention two authors who are very good for me, at least. Uh, and they are Sean Krakauer. Um, the another one is, um, Herd Kawakel, yeah? Both are going to open up a lot of mine, I think. Good, that's important. Especially in this universe, trying to combine things, you have to have an open mind, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what would be the best advice you give to the clinicians that are starting their careers? Every day at university, I say, do not focus on treating patients, focus on assess of the patients. Uh, this is a, a, a key point, but for the other hand, um, I think keep doing things you like outside the world of physical therapy. You know, we, we cannot only uh, study physical therapy to become uh, good PTs. We need to have a global knowledge and a wide general culture, because in that way, we can really have a biopsychosocial approach to understand and treat our patients, you know? I, I think this is important. Not, not just only read the papers, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, I think it's becoming more of an issue that people are realizing and talking more every time, more and more about it, because you don't, you, you can have just your, PT skills if you don't understand the biosocial and all of the other components. So I think that's yeah. very important too. Yeah, yeah. And what personal qualities or abilities that you think are important to become a successful PT? I, I think communication. Being able to generate a, a back and forth communication with the patient is essential. Um, other one is Begin curious, you know? Cesar Milstein, a prize novel, talked a lot uh, uh, about this. He said the curiosity, like that innate curiosity. We have when we are kids, 
and explore the war and try to understand how it works and how things happen. That curiosity is, is what PT should keep in their intercareers, you know? Yeah. And for other hand, I, I think another good, another good point, challenge the statements with a critical view on how to enhance that statement, not to overthrow that statement, because the statements are like steps to climb and keep going up, you know? Yeah, awesome, awesome. So, Santiago, if people want to learn more about you or um, have more information about your work or exchange information, because that's a new kind of area that we see like relating MDT and neural. So if they want to exchange information and ask questions or anything, do you have like a contact info that you could give us? Yes, uh, if, if you want, I, I send, uh, I'm going to send you my formal emails and please share. <laughs> yeah, sure. absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to um, be here with me and share all this knowledge because maybe we have some listeners that are curious about the topic and it's something that's not very common. So I really appreciate you come here and spread the word and, and help me to, to bring this information to other PTs. And I really appreciate it. Okay, thank you, Mariana. Thank you. Uh, I, I hope to have contributed to take off another brick on the wall, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. Questions, suggestions, or topics you want to hear about, talk to me on ptprotalk.com. Join our email list to receive updates and new episodes and subscribe here. Tell your friends about it and be sure to share. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. We are going to publish today's video recording on my YouTube channel, so you can check the link out in the show notes. Thanks for joining us and I'll see you next time. <music>